0: all the glory, I just do it anyway Providing for our futures, my responsibility Yeah, I'm real good on the pressure Being all that I can be I can't call him sick on Mondays When the weekend's been too strong I just work straight through the holidays Sometimes all night long I stand ready when the wolf growls at the door. Hey, I'm solid, I'm steady, I'm true down to the core. And I will always do my duty, no matter what the price, I've counted up the cost.
1: Auto Plaza Direct, King's Court starts now.
0: Mistakes I've made again and again. But I tell you this, my friends, I'm still around. I hit it hard, man.
1: Day morning, St. Louis on all points, north, east, south, and west. We welcome you in. This is the Window World King's Court. Window World King's Court, only on kevinslaytonshow.com. It's the only place you're going to find us live. But you can find us on podcast right here on our website. You can find us on Amazon, Apple, Google, Anchor, any place, Spotify, any place that you like to listen to your podcast, you will find us there as well. Our phone lines are always open for you, 636-538-0746, because we believe that everything you you have to say is important as well. We're not afraid of what you have to say. Other hosts almost unanimously won't take callers' opinions because they're afraid the caller knows more than them. We're not afraid of that, and if you do know more than us, we welcome it. But always remember we base our show on the truth, supported by facts and evidence. And that's the key. Anybody can claim the truth, but what do you have to support it? What does the FBI and the Department of Justice have to support their illegal unconstitutional raid on the Trump uh, compound in Mar-a-Lago? They have nothing. And worse yet, their brazen arrogance or they continue to ignore the will of the people. The will of the people in this case is explain to us what you're doing. They won't do it. They refuse. That's brazen arrogance. They believe they can break the law. They believe the law doesn't apply to them. They have believed this for decades, but they're really brazen about it now. And it only applies to you and me as they continue to try to take over this country and rule you by fiat, by a dictatorship. It's an authoritarian government that we live under now. If you don't think so, ask Scott Perry. He's a sitting congressman, and the FBI showed up at his house yesterday and took his cell phone without explanation, without warning, without a call to his lawyer to tell them they were coming. They showed up, scared the crap out of his his wife and kids, and took his cell phone and I shouldn't say took his cell phone, stole his cell phone. Because that's really what's going on here. His cell phone was stolen. Stolen by a corrupt FBI. And that's what we're dealing here, we're dealing with. It's a scary day in the United States. And we're really up against it right now. There's one answer, and that answer is the voting polls, other than violence. But we may well see violence before it's all over. Because this has gotten so far out of hand and out of control that I really don't believe we're going to see anything but violence. There will be a civil war. But we will see. And we have a lot of ground to cover today, including in the 8 o'clock hour, Tommy Woodcock, Jr. His father was the original trainer of the Blues for the first 16 years of the team's existence. He's in the Hall of Fame. He was responsible for the bulk of Gary Unger's 914-game Ironman streak. Imagine that in hockey, 914 consecutive games. They didn't have the kind of equipment they have today. They didn't have the kind of padding and protection that they have today when Gary Unger pulled that feat, and that is an enduring feat. And Tom Woodcock Jr. will be here to reminisce about his father who passed away earlier this week. That's coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. Our good friends at Taco Bell have breakfast for you. Some things don't change in this country. Maybe the FBI will raid Taco Bell next. Who knows? They're coming for you. You don't believe that, but they are. They're coming for you in the way of the IRS. The estimate today was 1.2 million more audits will take place of everyday citizens in the coming year with these new 87,000 IRS crooks. Lindsey Graham has vowed to fight the funding for this every year because it's over a 10-year period that they're adding these people. So he will fight it every year. I hope he only has to fight it for a year. Well, not even a year. Hopefully, in November, things change. If they don't, the citizens of this country are responsible for the demise of this country. There has to be a secession. We talk about the Civil War. We talk about violence ending these people's authoritarian dictatorship. And both of those things could well happen. But the easiest way out of this is secession. Any states that don't want to be ruled by fiat and by dictators should make their presence known, file for secession, whatever that document is, and let's form another country. It's not as hard as it sounds. If you poll the people in red states, they want nothing to do with this. Don't feel nostalgic about leaving the United States of America because it doesn't exist. So you're not leaving anything except a dictatorial, authoritarian, corrupt government. That's what you'd be leaving. To form another one based on what this country used to be. Sounds perfectly sensible to me. Now, I know you're sitting there, a lot of you are sitting there going, oh, well, you know, it's 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 not that bad. It's because they haven't gotten you yet. And if you think it's not that bad, do you enjoy being taxed more? Do you enjoy paying more at the pump and for your groceries? Do you enjoy not having supplies you need at the store shelves? Do you enjoy that? Do you enjoy knowing that they're spying on you every day through your laptop, through your television, through your phone? Do you enjoy that? You must, if you vote for these authoritarian liars. But as I said, they'll be raiding Taco Bell next. I digressed. I'll be raiding Taco Bell, too, for a little breakfast. But my raid will be paid for. I will give them the money that I get out of my seat cushions in my sofa, my change compartment in my car, and I'll get myself a grilled breakfast burrito with bacon bits off their dollar crave menu for breakfast. A buck, four quarters. I could probably find 100 pennies in my sofa cushions. And I'll bet you could too. That dollar crave menu, by the way, goes through lunch, dinner, and late night as well. So does the five dollar crave menu, where you can get a triple double crunch wrap with two tacos and a soft drink in a box for five bucks. They have double stuffed tacos, grande burritos, and a whole bunch of other things for just a dollar. Two different AM crunch wraps under three bucks, grande scrambler under three bucks. Folks, the list goes on, and they're always innovating on their menu. I support locally owned and operated businesses, and I do with Taco Bell. Here are their locally owned and operated locations. In Missouri, the Chesterfield Valley, Cape Girardeau, Jackson, Union, St. Clair, Washington. In Illinois, Waterloo, Decatur, the state capital, Springfield, the corrupt capital of, of Illinois, Carbondale, Salem, Jerseyville, Troy, DuCoin and Columbia. Those are all locally owned and operated Taco Bell locations in our area. All right, well, let's get this game going, shall we? I don't know if you're aware of this, but back in 2000, I believe it was 18, 2018, the great Rachel Maddow had the corrupt Charlie Schumer on television. This was when Donald Trump was publicly chastising the corrupt corrupt behavior of the CIA and the FBI. And, of course, he was right. It turned out he wasn't nearly as right as he would be today if he said it even stronger. Schumer issued a warning bell that very few listened to. Schumer, back in 2017 or 18, whenever this was, told the rest of the country and warned Donald Trump in no uncertain terms that we will get you, and that the CIA apparatus and the FBI apparatus will get you.
2: He's taking these shots, this antagonism, yep. is taunting to the intelligence community. You,
3: you take on the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday at getting back at you. So even for a practical, supposedly hard-nosed businessman, he's being really dumb to do this.
1: <laughs> Doesn't that chill you? How many times has Charlie Schumer provided us Evidence, the best kind of evidence, his own mouth, that he's corrupt, the entire government's corrupt, and they believe they're above the rule of law. It was Charlie Schumer that went to the Supreme Court steps and threatened the lives of two Supreme Court justices, Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch. Kavanaugh was nearly murdered. An assassin was apprehended outside of his home. Now he's telling Donald Trump and anyone else, by the way, if you take on the intelligence community in this country, they have six ways to Sunday to get back at you. And they just did it two nights ago. Maybe we should start paying attention to these warning uh, shots across the bow that Schumer keeps taking. He's so stupid, he exposes himself and the corrupt government, and yet no one does anything about it. Pretty pathetic. Now, are you surprised to know, and maybe you don't know yet, are you surprised to know that the judge, excuse me, the magistrate, he's not even a judge, the magistrate who signed off on the warrant, the search warrant of the Trump compound at Mar-a-Lago, is an Obama appointee. The FBI and the CIA and the DOJ are so corrupt They knew they couldn't get a real judge to sign off on this, so they went to a magistrate. (laughs) For those who aren't familiar, that's below a judge. And a magistrate that hates Trump, who has made Facebook postings negative to Trump, signed off on this. Are you still asleep? Are you still snoozing out there? This guy also defended Jeffrey Epstein after after he was an attorney in the U.S. Attorney's Office prosecuting Epstein. You can't make it up, and Sean Davis, who's the president and CEO of the Federalist, should we be suspicious about this magistrate, Sean Davis? It
3: is quite a coincidence, isn't it, that uh, this deranged anti-Trump judge Who quit his job as a federal prosecutor in the office, literally investigating Jeffrey Epstein. Magically, the next day started representing a bunch of Jeffrey Epstein's closest uh, colleagues, including uh, he set up his office in the exact same office suite uh, in South Florida as Jeffrey Epstein's uh, criminal defender himself. So, yeah, you just got to marvel at the coincidence there.
1: Yeah, you really do. I mean, these coincidences pop up all over the place these days in this government, don't they? you got to marvel at it. As Sean Davis said, this deranged anti-Trump judge and, and magistrate, and that's what he is, he's deranged, but he doesn't care. These people don't have to care. In the day when this country was the United States of America, that kind of behavior you would have to be concerned about because you would be called out on it by your peers, by responsible government people, that don't exist anymore. And this guy also donated to Obama's campaign. Now, when when there is a campaign donation, it should never come from a lawyer or anyone in government or a judge, anyone. They should be prohibited from donating to any campaign. Lawyers may practice in front of the Supreme Court. They may be practicing in front of judges appointed by a president that they donated to. It smells, okay? I don't care if there is any collusion or any undesirable behavior behind the scenes. It stinks. And you always want to avoid the appearance of a conflict of interest or flat-out corruption. But they don't care. They don't care at all. And they don't have to care. That's the problem here. They don't have to care anymore. They used to. Mark Levin called out the weasel, Merrick Garland, and also the cowardly, corrupt Republican senators. This guy
4: Garland goes after parents. He goes after Republican uh, 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 state legislatures. He goes after states. He disagrees with their abortion positions. He doesn't do a damn thing to protect the border, which is compelled by the Constitution. Nothing. So let's be clear. Nude is right. They're all right. This is the worst attack on this republic in modern history, period. And it's not just an attack on Donald Trump. It's an attack on everybody who supports him. It's an attack on anybody who dares to raise Serious questions about Washington, D.C., and the establishment in both parties. I haven't heard a damn thing from the Republican leadership in the Senate of you. Not one of those guys has put out a statement because they're weak. That's why.
1: Carpe diem, Mark Levin, because they're weak. What did Trump always say they were? Weak. After McConnell was asked about it, at a news conference in Kentucky, so I'm here to talk about the flooding. Oh, really? You low-rent scumbag Chinese spy. That's all you are. Then later, after pushback from that response reached the outrageous level, the asshat tweeted out that Merrick Garland needs to issue an explanation immediately as to what this was all about, blah, 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 blah. That shows what a coward McConnell is. He can't even stand for his own convictions. He can't even stand up and say... I don't like Trump, so I don't care about it. Because that's what he wanted to say, and that's what he said essentially when he wouldn't comment on it. But then when people said, F you, he cowardly crawled back into his cave and handed out a statement on Twitter. That's the Republican leadership in the Senate. Of course, it's always good to weigh in with rampant criminal Nancy Pelosi and her crime family to ask what they think about an illegal raid. What do you think, Nanner?
5: I know about that is what is in the public domain. Uh, I was surprised that it flashed on my phone last evening. So I don't really have too much to say except that uh, to have a, a, a visit like that, you need a warrant. To have a warrant, you need justification. And uh, that says that no one is above the law, not even a president or a former president of the United States.
1: Do you just cringe when you hear that woman? In general, but especially when she's talking about no one being above the law. The same woman who told you to lock down, who refused to lock down. The same woman who, on her own, flew to Taiwan to start World War III and took her son along with her, unnamed, by the way, on the list of people that were on the plane, so that he could shake down Taiwan for more Pelosi bucks The same woman whose husband has illegally traded on our stock market for to the tune of tens and perhaps hundreds of millions of dollars. This is a woman who claims no one's above the law. How rich. She is one of the ultimate scoundrels in the history of this country. The fact that she's 82 and just as senile as Biden should trouble everybody. Two of the top three people in this government have no idea what day it is. The third one is too busy banging somebody to try to get ahead. What a country, huh? And you don't think secession is the answer? Steve Bannon, who has been the victim of Merrick Garland and his corrupt Justice Department, weighed in on his thoughts on the Nazi-like FBI. The
3: FBI right now is the Gestapo. The FBI, is the Gestapo, whether well, it's out in Colorado putting a gold
6: star mother like Tina Peters in, in, in chains, Peter Navarro in chains, it's absolutely obscene. This is an obscenity. And we're going to have to fight fire with fire. The way to do it you is know, win election, win them overwhelmingly, and then use the appropriations process to choke down the FBI and choke down the Justice Department and get to the bottom of who approved this. This is,
3: this is so outrageous.
1: He's right. Choke them. Choke them with appropriations. In other words, defund them. Defund the FBI. I've never been in favor of defunding police because neighborhoods need police. Although, in today's world, the police are just as corrupt as the top echelon of the FBI. Again, don't ever think the rank and file of the FBI is not as corrupt as Christopher Ray is. They are. They're the ones who showed up with guns drawn. Guns drawn. Who was in that house? A terrorist? In fact, they know that Donald Trump wasn't there. They know that he doesn't live there during the hot summer months. They know that it's a skeletal crew that's on call there. So there was no threat of any destruction of documents if that's what they were after, though I doubt that that's what they were after. Reports now that these people searched Melania Trump's clothes closet. Despite the fact that that sounds perverted... It is perverted. These FBI people are not only corrupt, they're perverted. They're they're sex freaks. They forced Trump's attorneys to stand outside of the building. Never mind that it's 95 degrees in Florida. They couldn't even wait in the lobby of the compound where it's air-conditioned. The FBI wanted to make sure they could conduct this raid secretly, without any eyes on them, so that they could carry out their corruption. These are Nazis. There isn't any question, these are Nazis. Everything they do is illegal. Drawing guns is despicable. Now there are threats on their lives on, on social media. And you know what I say? whoop de doo What did you expect? I hear people like Dan Crenshaw, well, that's unacceptable too. Well, no, it's not. I got news for you, Dan Crenshaw, Mr. Eyepatch. When people get so pissed off that they've had enough, you can expect violence. It's going to happen. You can expect somebody getting killed. It's going to happen. Is that a good thing? Of course not. But your behavior has caused it. Your illegal raids, your torture of political opponents, your imprisonment of political opponents – will have caused any violence that occurs. And it will occur. So now we're supposed to feel bad for the thug FBI agents who raided Trump's home? Those thugs with their Uzis drawn? We're supposed to feel sorry for them because their lives are being threatened? I say this to them, F you. You're the same jack-offs who wouldn't protect Brett Kavanaugh. You're, you're, you're part of the same Justice Department that wouldn't protect a sitting Supreme Court judge or any of them, any of the Supreme Court judges who had lawbreakers outside their homes. You don't care about that, and here's why you don't care about that. Because you break the law all the time. The FBI breaks the law every day. Every single day they break the law. They broke the law when they came in and got Scott Perry's phone. These people are corrupt. The rank-and-file FBI is corrupt. I hear again last night on on different shows, well, you know, we're not talking about the rank-and-file. Well, I am. And if you're not, that's because you're a coward and you're the same paid and uh, bought-and-paid-for media hacks. I don't care what network you're on. If you tell anyone that the rank-and-file of the FBI is not as corrupt as Christopher Ray, you're a liar. Because they are. And you know who's giddy about all this? MSNBC, of course.
2: The I has raided the home of the immediate past president of the United States. It feels both... Astonishing and sort of inevitable in equal measure.
7: Perhaps the orange jumpsuit
5: is for is forthcoming. I think the national democratic reaction is hallelujah. Let's
3: pause
2: for a
5: second to look at how weird and horrible this is. One day my two daughters will read a history book where today right. goes down as weird and horrible. Tomorrow is the day when you're going to want to buy the physical copy
2: of the newspaper. You're going to want to buy it and fold it carefully. Maybe put it in a little archival paper or parchment if you don't have that.
1: Parchment. She's a parchment. Or she, or he. I don't know what that is. What is Maddow? Is that a he-she? No one knows. There's so many of them throughout liberal media and the government. Who knows anymore what you're dealing with? That's like, you know, seeing an overweight lady and you say, how long have you been pregnant? Oops, they're not pregnant. You go up to somebody like this and you say, yes, ma'am. Oops, you're a guy. Have no idea what you are. And this nonsense that Pelosi, you heard her say moments ago, she had no knowledge of it. She only heard about it like we did in the media. <laughs> they, say, they they tell these lies as if we're illiterate. Oh, gosh, Nancy didn't know. I'll be darned. Neither did Biden. Biden didn't know either. Now, you know, the truth is he may not have known or he may have been told and forgotten, but Obama knew. He knew because he orchestrated it. And that means Biden knew. And yet, they trot Karine Jean-Pierre, the black lesbian, out there every day to lie to you. And this time, she just lies with impunity.
2: On a different topic, uh, the FBI is certainly uh, served a search warrant on the former president's residence in Florida. Uh, was the president or anyone at the White
5: House aware of that search warrant? Or has anyone at the White House or the president been briefed
2: in the aftermath of that search warrant being executed?
7: No. The president was not briefed, did not, was not aware of it. No, no one at the White House was given uh, a heads up. No, that did not happen.
1: She doesn't even lie well, let's be honest. She's always stumbling. She's fumbling with her little notebook binder. She doesn't even lie well. Does anybody believe anything she says? Well, the media picked up her torch for her and carried her lie.
7: No one in the White House was aware that this search warrant was going to be executed on the former president's primary residence yesterday until it was reported in the media.
3: A reminder, the White House has insisted, as we've been reporting here, it had no prior knowledge of the search in Florida yesterday.
1: It's incredible, isn't it? The media, they're not reporting anything. They're simply reading what Karine Jean-Pierre told them. And if you believe them, you're a special kind of stupid. Newt Gingrich has some serious thoughts about these people and the FBI and who we're dealing with. Newt, what about this FBI? What would you compare it to? Uh,
3: It would be basically replacing the FBI with the Stasi, the German secret police, as the appropriate title. Uh, I'm happy to have a debate with people like Max Boot, who are the apologists for a failed anti-American establishment which has year after year failed the American people, failed to defend our interests, failed to win wars, failed to reform the bureaucracies, failed to educate our children. People like Max Boot are, in fact, the representatives of a dying system. And as it starts to die, it grows more desperate. And what you saw last night at mar a was the desperation of a national machine that knows it's on the edge of being defeated and then being eliminated and I think that you'll see more desperation in to come. Clearly, first of all, under our Constitution and the whole idea of separation of powers, by what right does a member of the executive branch come into a legislative branch elected official into his home and take his phone? I mean, that is an act, frankly, of destroying the American Constitution. And I, we are on the precipice of a group of truly evil people who are prepared to destroy the Constitution and the rule of law and who are proving it every day. And we ought to quit applying to them the kind of questions that would apply to normal people. These aren't normal people. They are liars. They are bad people doing bad things, and they're going to do more bad things until they're stopped. And the way to stop them is at the election this fall. The Constitution will still work if the American people will show up and throw out all the people who are trying to establish what is basically a dictatorship of the state against the American people. Carpe triple
1: diem, Newt Gingrich. Carpe quadruple diem, in fact. Carpe hundred diem. How accurate was that? Everything he said was spot on. These are evil people. What have I been telling you for? You know, I almost start thinking that Newt Gingrich and Steve Bannon listen to this show because they start repeating everything we've said. Referring to the FBI as the Gestapo, that Biden and his gang are not the nice old uncle that the media tries to portray them as. They're evil, corrupt, vile people. There's nothing nice or kindly about them. They're Nazi dictators. They break all the rules that they set for you. Whatever laws are out there, they don't care. If the law gets in their way, it must be trampled. They lie to you about how they spend your money, then they sick the IRS on you. And the fact that there will be one person out there who votes for a Democrat, even one, shows me the illiteracy level of this country. You could go to Nicaragua and you wouldn't find anybody voting for those corrupt bastards. But, but not here. People here swallow the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's amazing. They love it. And they'll keep swallowing it. Until, as Newt Gingrich points out and everybody else, we make the change at the ballot box. Now, they know that too. So they will try to steal every election known to man. And again, this Ronna McDaniel, who's a dope, better be ready for it. Because it's coming. And the good news out of all of this is that Donald Trump is more ingrained, more dug in than ever before. People who've been with him have said he is resolute to fight these people till the day he dies. And that means he's running for president in 2024. Now let me tell you what's going to happen. They're going to indict him because, as I've always said, you could indict a ham sandwich. And then they're going to make the claim, how dare the Republicans put a an indicted man on their nominee for president? But that's what they're going to do. They've exhausted every other thing they can think of. Their January 6th sham didn't work. All of the lies, the Russia, 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 none of that worked. Stormy Daniels, Avenatti, none of it worked. So now what do you do? You storm Trooper into his home with guns drawn like the Nazis that you are, and then you get boxes of who knows what. And you plant evidence. This is O.J. Simpson all over again. All right, Mark Furman, who's become one heck of an author in his post-police days, was a corrupt cop. He planted evidence. We know that. Anyone who's not a buffoon knows that. Do I believe O.J. Simpson was guilty? Of course I do. But the evidence, blood evidence, was planted. We also know that. It's indisputable. And you didn't have to do it. But we also know that unless you've got your head in the sand, that the FBI and the CIA and the DOJ are going to plant evidence, plant documents, that they can somehow indict Donald Trump over something. Does anybody think Donald Trump knows what's in those boxes? Does anybody really think that? He's been cooperating with them. They've been releasing the documents. Do you know this too, by the way? I've heard these idiots on Fox and other places, well why doesn't uh, the attorneys why didn't the attorneys for Donald Trump reveal the affidavit and the warrant for the search? Then we'd know what their premises what their premise was. The FBI did not give his attorneys the warrant. They showed it to him and took it back. That again is illegal. Everything this Nazi Gestapo does is illegal, and they don't care. They're shoving it in your face. They don't care what you think either. And once again, let me warn you, if they'll do it to him, what do you think they're going to do to you? (laughs) Are you so mindless, so stupid that you don't think they're after you? Trump has said it before. They're not after me. I'm just in their way. They're after you. And that's exactly true. There's a former FBI agent who uh, CNN mistakenly had on their air. I'm sure they didn't expect him to say this. According to him, it's commonplace when people have classified documents in their home. Even he did.
2: I had the highest security level, uh, security clearance you could get in government. Don't realize
3: how common it is. That is classified information and how much stuff is overclassified. To get to the bar where you're going to the residence of the former president, classified documents don't get you there. I had them in my house sometimes, inappropriately. It happens all the time. (laughs) What? What did I
1: just hear? That a former FBI agent had classified documents in his house inappropriately, and it happens all the time. And to go after classified documents doesn't get you across the bar to get this search warrant. I bet CNN fired somebody for booking that guy. That wasn't the narrative we're trying to push. Come on now. We've got to stop it. Can't be having that kind of nonsense. (laughs) That was pretty unbelievable, wasn't it? Stephen Miller had a good chuckle when he talked about who actually packs the boxes at the White House.
6: Well, look, again, the bottom line here is that first, of course we only really know what's in the papers, but just common sense here. The president's not the one who packs up the White House. For the love of God. You think that Donald Trump's sitting there yes, going through all the filing cabinets? The the, the decision <laughs> the decision about what leaves the White House is just made by by aides and valets and things of that nature? <laughs>
1: This is how asinine this is. Picture for a moment, if you will, if you want to have a good laugh. Donald Trump sitting at the Resolute desk in the White House with file cabinets surrounding him as he sorts through the files and packs documents into the box to move to Mar-a-Lago. You think that happened? (laughs) You think when he got to Mar-a-Lago, the first thing he did was, I better check through all those boxes. Do you think he's ever gone through them? But according to that guy, this happens all the time, and he himself had illegal classified documents in his home inappropriately. All the time were his words. But he didn't get raided. Clinton didn't get raided, and she actually deleted all kinds of incriminating emails. She didn't get raided. She didn't even get arrested. She really didn't even get interviewed. They just kind of had coffee. Talked about how they would get Trump. Anyone who still is out there and doesn't think the election was rigged like Brett Baer and most of the people on Fox, all you have to do is ask yourself a simple question. And it really is kind of simple. If they didn't rig the election and had it fair, why do they care about what happens to Donald Trump? He's a vanquished opponent. Wounded by his overwhelming loss, they claim. Then why don't you just let him go? Because you know, you rigged it, you liars. You're a bunch of liars. Marco Rubio, the senator from Florida, who is Hispanic himself, Cuban himself, has lived for most of his adult life in an area that has a lot of Cuban refugees, people who've come from places like Nicaragua, Cuba, they know a dictatorship when they see it, and so does Marco Rubio. Don't you, Senator?
2: There's never been a country where people who take power, like becoming president, now use that power to persecute their past or future political opponents. We've never seen that until tonight, when the Justice Department under Joe Biden decided to raid using 30 FBI agents the Mar-a-Lago home of the former president who might, in fact, be running against him in a couple of years. Well, this is what happens in places like Nicaragua, where last year, every single person that ran against Daniel Ortega for president, every single person that put their name on the ballot was arrested and is still in jail. That's what you see in places like Nicaragua. We've never seen that before in America. Now you can try to diminish it, but that's exactly what happened tonight. 30 FBI agents raiding Mar-a-Lago, not looking for a fugitive, Not looking to save someone's life who was in danger inside that building. Not looking to track down some serial killer or drug kingpin. No. 30 FBI agents in a high-profile raid over a documents dispute. A documents dispute, by the way, that's not new to this administration. Multiple administrations have had disputes over the archival office over what is a presidential record and what isn't. It doesn't matter how you feel about the archives. Think about Sending 30 FBI agents on a raid like this for one purpose, and that is to try to politically harm and intimidate their political opponents. That's what this is all about, and we've never seen it in America before, and they're playing with fire. Don't cheer about it and be giddy about it on MSNBC, on CNN, with all these idiot commentators. But I'm telling you, you're playing with fire. This is dangerous because someone else will be in power one day, and now you have created the precedent for them to do this back to you. And then we become the third world, and then we lose our country and our system of government and the meaning of being one nation under a real constitution. This needs to stop, and the people responsible for this decision, Merrick Garland and the director of the FBI, need to be held to account for going along with something so undemocratic, unconstitutional, and flat-out destructive and dangerous to our republic.
1: Carpe quadruple diem, Marco Rubio. Playing with fire, he said. And he's right. Someone else will get in power, the Republicans, and then they're going to turn the tables and do the same thing now because you've set the stage. So you say to yourself, okay, the Republicans have to be above it. Well, they've been above it. They haven't pulled these shenanigans. As weak and spineless as Republicans are, they haven't pulled any of this kind of crap ever, ever. If they were going to pull this crap, they would have done it on Obama one of the worst human beings God ever created, if God created him. He's an it. Just as his whatever is. Wife, buddy, partner, guy, whatever whatever that thing is. So they would have gone after Obama if they were going to do it. And so you say, okay, well, be above it all. Let's stop the this. Well, you can't. Because when you don't fight, Back against these bastards, this is what they do. The only way to teach a bully is to punch him in the mouth and then keep punching until he cries uncle. And that's what has to be done against these people. That's what needs to be done. Now, the fear that Marco Rubio has is realized and the msnbc idiots that he described took that message and ran with it
6: the far right and
5: trump's troops on the far right who are screaming bloody murder on social media right now we're keeping tabs on the fallout from the search online including growing concerns over the reaction from possible right-wing extremists
3: you know, these folks are often inspired to plan violence or conduct violence so I think Trump is again playing with fire. The violent rhetoric is uh, more violent and louder than ever. <laughs> Your
1: rhetoric is more violent than ever. Trump does. It. What did Trump do? Trump didn't say anything. These people plan violent extreme. When has anybody on the right side of this political aisle planned or caused violence? Can you name a single time? No, don't tell me January 6th. Those were protesters who walked down to the Capitol. A handful of them broke windows. They should be charged with destruction of property. That's it. And it wasn't planned. The corrupt FBI investigated it and said it wasn't planned. Part of the reason they came to that conclusion, no doubt, is because they had planted agents throughout the crowd, exhorting people to violence. So we also know that. But listen to that media. Carry the water for this corrupt regime. The media is no less corrupt than Biden, than Ray, than Garland. They're all corrupt. And Rubio knows that these people, these evil, vile, despicable, lying, corrupt SOBs who would run over their mother for power, have a game plan. They've always had a game plan, and they execute it well.
2: Look, I'm here in a very unique position in South Florida, surrounded by people that come from countries where this is familiar to them. This is shocking to Americans, but in Latin America and many of these you know, countries around the world, here's what happens. A group takes power. One of the first things that group does is they begin to persecute and go after their political opponents. And then when the supporters of their political opponents begin to complain about it, they begin to target them and they criminalize opposition. And that's what's happening here now. They took power. They are demanding. You see it on Twitter. You see their public statements. They are demanding. They want Donald Trump arrested. They want him charged right now. They wanted him charged months ago, years ago. They wanted him charged. And I'm telling you the next thing you're going to see here, Sean, because it's the playbook. and that is. They are now going to begin to say, oh, these Trump supporters, these Republicans, they're very upset. They're saying very angry things. We think they might be a threat. We think they're radical extremists. Let's start arresting them. You're going. The next step in this process is going to be that people who are supporters of Donald Trump or just conservatives complaining about this are going to begin to get harassed by, are going to begin to get labeled as potential insurrectionists and are going to begin to get harassed uh, by law enforcement. That's the next step in this playbook, sadly.
1: Wow. Chilling words, and he's right. He's right. You see it happening. And that's why these cowardly FBI agents are having their lives threatened. And I don't care. Let them have a taste of their own medicine. I don't care if their lives are threatened. Look what they're doing. See, this is the trick of the liberals, and Rubio sort of was on it there, that if you respond to them ruining your life, imprisoning you illegally, and you respond by saying, I'm going to kill you, you son of a bitch, then you're the bad guy. It's incredible, but that's the logic they use. They push people to that point And then when people threaten them online, which is the cowardly way of doing it, if you're going to do something, do it. Then all of a sudden, those people are the bad ones. Not the corrupt FBI that guns drawn, attacks a man's home, that goes into another man's home and steals his cell phone. Not those people, no. They're not the bad people. So when they get their lives threatened, I just yawn. I don't care. These are corrupt people. So let me ask you a question. If someone threatened Putin's life, would you care? I'm pretty sure the answer is no. If someone threatened President Xi's life in China, or the little rocket man in North Korea, or the Shah over in Iran, would you care? Of course you wouldn't care. Well, that's what these people are. That's what the FBI and the Department of Justice and Washington, D.C. swamp, that's what they are. And the sooner you realize they're not like you, the better off you'll be. So I don't care. I'm not advocating anyone kill anyone, but if it happens, I'm not surprised. You can't push people and push them and then keep pushing them. Something bad will happen. That's a given. So don't act all butthurt and all surprise, you liberal freaks, when it happens. Oh, Micah says, we're keeping tabs online of threats by right-wing extremists. How do you know what they are? That could be the guy down the street. Who's just fed up with you and your corrupt FBI, right-wing extremist. What is that? Are there any left-wing extremists in this country? Because if you listen to the media, there aren't, there aren't Antifa. No, come on, Kevin. Black lives matter. No, the FBI. No, CIA. No, department of justice. No, the white house. No, none of them are left-wing extremists who've now dictated what you will do, and now they're trying to dictate who you'll be allowed to vote for. It's not just, let's rig the election. Let's make sure beforehand that your choice can't run. Funny how that works, isn't it? But that's what's going on. So... Any threats of violence, as I said, I just don't care. I'm numb to it all by now. They've done that to this country. You know, when you ruin a country, you pay a price. As Newt Gingrich advocates and Steve Bannon and I, go to the polling booths. Change it there. Newt Gingrich is right. The Constitution will still work if American citizens want it to. No one has confidence in the elections anymore, as, as as far as being fair. No one does. No one has any respect for the FBI anymore. You can see the polls. It doesn't matter who you are. Democrat, Republican, nobody has respect for those people. They're a bunch of Nazi thugs. And if a civil war did take place, the FBI and the police would be against us. Still trying to figure out if the military will be. I don't know. I think they'll be on our side. Not their bosses, of course. They're hopelessly corrupt. By the way, did you you ever remember that General Petraeus, while he was in political office, had classified documents that he showed to his lover? Remember that? Got him in deep water, hot water, hot deep water. Lost his job, but no one raided his home. And he did it intentionally, knowingly. Let's give the final word on the this entire charade to the little black lesbian Karine Jean Pierre.
7: It would not be appropriate for us to comment on any ongoing investigations again we're just not going to comment on on any ongoing investigations from here again we defer uh any incoming on this particular uh incident yesterday to the department of justice again i'm I'm just not going to comment on um any reaction to um to what happened yesterday we are going to refer any incoming to the department of justice i don't have anything more
1: you know when someone from a class of people that's a distinct minority like Lesbians, gay people in general, gets an opportunity like she has, and they lie, and they insult you with their lies, and then they lie some more. If I were a lesbian, a black lesbian, and that's what I saw carrying the banner for my group of people, I'd be furious. When you get that kind of an opportunity, you should run with it and set the standard so the people won't be, whatever reason, afraid or whatever, to hire someone like you, someone different. But that's not what she's done. She's destroyed it. She's destroyed their brand, if you will. She's sickening. She's disgusting. Everything about her is a lie. She's hateful, but of course she had to, when you check the boxes off, how to get hired by Biden, first one is you hate, you're just hateful, you're filled with hate, rage at your opponents. You're a liar, you're a born liar. It helps if you're gay, lesbian, whatever, transvestite, it helps. That's another big box to check for Biden. And of course, be black. And female, I might add, I forgot female. Those are the boxes that Biden considers important. Not your competence, how good you are at your job. Not whether you'll do a good job for the people of this country. No, 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 no. That has nothing to do with it. Not a thing. Lindsey Graham, who, like most Republicans, talk a good game, don't do much, And we must keep in mind when I say that, that they don't have the power to do much. But when they've had the power, they haven't done much. They had the power in Donald Trump's first two years. They did very little. They got the tax cuts done. That was it, thanks to Paul Ryan. They got nothing else accomplished. And now he sits on the board at Fox. Where else would he end up? So Lindsey Graham was peppered last night. By Jesse Waters. Now, I don't think much of Jesse Waters as a journalist. He's not. He's sort of a clown. But, um, and he proved that last night. After the exchange I'm going to play for you, you started to think, okay, maybe this guy is earning his stripes. But then at the end of the show, he talked nauseatingly about his own hair. This, these are the kind of people that Fox puts up there. But in this one instance, Waters actually grew a spine. And took on Lindsey Graham about the do nothing Republicans. You
6: and I have debated about things, and I've seen you pretty spitting mad over Ukraine, but you you don't seem as mad as you were about this. Then I don't understand why people aren't out in the streets. This isn't like, oh, well, you know, let's just see what's in the warrant. I mean, they've been doing this. This is the third election. This is the third election. We know they doctor evidence. We know they. We know they hide evidence. We know they lie. We know they leak. I mean, this is not anything new. This has been this has been years they've been doing this. We can't just say, oh, yeah. you know, we're waiting for the guy to come out and, and give a statement about what is predicated. I mean, what? These people are out of control, Senator. This country yeah. is
2: at, like, well, we're on the edge of a cliff, man. I'm telling you, this country is at the edge yeah. of a cliff here. Yeah, no, I got you. I understand exactly what you're saying. But I want to come on your show and tell you things that I know are not going to happen. I can't make them stop. I can urge them and stop the process of normal business in the Senate until we know more. We're going to have an election in November. You want to stop these people? Fire them. If you want to get a president of the United States that knows what the hell they're doing, pick somebody other than Biden. You're dead right. I live the Mueller investigation. Is it plausible they would open up an investigation against Donald Trump without merit? Hell yes, plausible. They've done it once. Had they done it again? There's one way to answer my question. Tell us what you got.
1: Carpe diem to Lindsey Graham for saying the truth and for Waters for confronting him on it. That's how you do it. It's gotten way past, oh, let's see uh, what's in the warrant. But we have to know what's in there. And the reason we don't know and the reason we're not being allowed to know is because the corrupt FBI and the corrupt Department of Justice doesn't want you to know. Now, why would they not want you to know? Think about that. Just hear, See Biden walking away from every single question regarding this yesterday? Just kept shuffling on. Then I noticed Schumer at some impromptu um, gathering on the White House lawn with about five people, Pelosi, Schumer, idiot boy Biden. Schumer turns around to shake everybody's hand. He shakes Biden's hand, then he moves over to somebody else, and Biden's still got his hand out like, hey, you didn't shake my hand. I mean, this guy's just a stooge. He's mentally ill. He doesn't belong in the White House. doesn't belong anywhere near it. This... Incompetent boob who's demented has his fingers on the nuclear codes. Good God. Heaven help us. But that's exactly what happens when you're talking about the Republicans doing nothing. That's the first time I've heard Graham pushed on it rather than his normal double talk and Hawley's double talk. These people need to be called out. They they need to give Americans assurances that if they are entrusted with power, that they will do something constructive with it to turn this country around, to clean up the cultural mess, the dictatorial mess. We are Nazi Germany after the bombing And after they surrendered, with all the buildings blown up, how do we rebuild? How do we rebuild our our country, our government, our culture? That's what the Germans faced. That's what we face. We have been victims of a Nazi takeover. They have destroyed our culture. They've destroyed everything that people in this country stand for—the basic tenets of why we were created. They've ignored the constitution of our founding fathers. In fact, they've torn it up. They've trampled on it. They've mocked it. And it's time for the Republicans to tell us, what are you going to do when you get in? We're starting to hear some things trickle out. McCarthy is threatening to hold these hearings, to hold these people accountable. Let's be clear on this. Don't just hold meetings. Don't just hold hearings. Don't say you're going to make people accountable. Prosecute them. Put an attorney general in, maybe Newt Gingrich. Wouldn't he be a great attorney general? But put someone in there who cares about this country, who cares about the rule of law, who is embarrassed by what's happened, and who will prosecute the liars and the cheaters and the schemers and the criminals. No matter who it is. And until that happens, Lindsey Graham and all the rest of them can talk and say whatever they want. But he's correct when he says, I can't come on here and say something that's not going to happen. In other words, I can't come on here and say, I'm going to stop Merrick Garland because he can't. He can't. Can't stop Merrick Garland for another two and a half years, another almost two, yeah, a little over two years two years, and three months. Can't stop them. But you can, through appropriations, stop them. And that needs to happen. And if the Republicans don't do that, then you should never trust them in office again. Vote for only third-party candidates. And we should have a lot of them around the corner. It's gotten so bad that when I talk about assassination, you probably say, oh, my God, you're being a right-wing extremist. No, I'm telling you the truth. If they can't get Donald Trump indicted, and I believe they will, but if they can't, they'll kill him. Steve Bannon agrees.
6: And I agree. I do not think it's beyond uh, this administrative state and their deep state apparatus to, to actually try to uh, work on the assassination of President Trump. I, I think I think everything's on the table. I think his security ought to be at the highest it's ever been. And, and honestly, I think he ought to, and I think he should have flown down to Mar a Lago this morning, walked out there at noon today, and said, Hey, I'm running for president of the United States. Suck on that.
1: <laughs> Carpe Diem, Steve Bannon. Suck on that, you liberal jackwagons. I agree with him, by the way. Newt Gingrich wants him to wait till Thanksgiving. What's the point of that, Newt? Now, he said that before the raid, but do it today. Fly down there today. Dare them. I wish he would. Wouldn't you love that scene, Trump at Mar-a-Lago? And what Trump ought to do is commission a video company to go through Mar-a-Lago and video the destruction that took place from these thug FBI agents. These thug Gestapo. Because you know what they did. They just overturned everything, threw things around. They didn't care. They had no idea, I'll guarantee you when this comes out, no idea what they were looking for. If they claim they were looking for documents, please specify the documents. Which ones were you looking for? What they were looking for is any and all evidence that they can make up, use, complain about, or... The entire thing was orchestrated, and this is what I believe, to go in there, get boxes of things, and then plant stuff in those boxes. And then take it in front of a grand jury. That's what they're up to. Now let's go to the future and say, what if Trump gets elected? What if we have power in 2022? When Biden's last day comes, who do you think's getting pardoned? Everybody. Every criminal he can think of is going to get pardoned. But you can't pardon yourself. I'm not even sure if he can pardon Hunter Biden. I'm not sure what the law says on pardoning family members. But he'll pardon everybody else. Obama, Clapper, Brennan. Garland, Ray. He'll pardon them all. All the criminals. I believe that a presidential pardon should either be gone or should be limited to five people. That's a stupid idea to give a president pardoning power. You're You're investing in him the power of the judiciary. That's not what we set up to be. I'd have to do some research on how presidential pardons came to be, but I, I, I bet my life the Founding Fathers didn't put it in there. Because you're usurping the power of the judiciary by vesting it in the president. That's not what we were set up to do. Victor Davis Hansen. What have they done to
3: us? And they have descended upon us the greatest cloud of autocracy and illiberality in the history of this republic. I don't want to live in a country where Kevin McCarthy tears up the State of the Union address as soon as Joe Biden gives it. I don't want to live necessarily in a country when Kevin McCarthy says no squad member is going to be on any House committee or Mitch McConnell is going to go to the Supreme Court. And yell about Supreme court justices. But that's what we're at. And let's pray to God the Republicans can save
1: us. That's the only way. That's the only way. Pray to God the Republicans save us. Because it's our last hope. It's not our last best hope. It's our last hope. I don't know how much of a best hope it is. Because I don't know what the Republicans will do when they get there. They so far haven't demonstrated the willingness to do anything. But I think even they spineless though they are, have been pushed over the brink. I don't think I've ever heard Marco Rubio speak the way he spoke last night. He's fed up. And I think that's what you're going to start getting. A lot of these people are fed up. Now, the interesting thing about pardons is this. To my knowledge and my understanding of a presidential pardon, you can't issue a pardon to someone who hasn't been charged with a crime. So, on his way out the door, is going to try to come up and conjure up some sort of executive order that will change that. You watch and see. But none of those people will be charged because Garland is the guy there, except for this possible scenario. Think about this. Knowing that you can't pardon anyone who hasn't been charged, Garland charges Ray, charges Clapper, charges Brennan, charges McCabe, charges Strzok, charges Comey, charges Biden, charges Hunter Biden, and then Biden pardons all of them. The only guy left out there would be Garland. Can't charge himself. At least get one of them. Now that's an elaborate plan, but so was going into Donald Trump's home. I don't know if you know who Alina Habab Habba is. Alina Habba. she's the one of the, one of the attorneys for President Trump. She was with him when he found out about the raid, and she described his demeanor. What was he like, Alina?
5: Honestly, I think he was calmer than you would expect because there is never a dull moment in his life. This man, I don't know how he wakes up every day. He is consistently under siege, but this one took it to a whole new level.
1: I don't understand either. I think Trump has the thickest skin of any human being on earth. All these nitwit liberals, oh, you know, he overreacts. No, Donald Trump takes the slings and arrows better than anybody in the history of mankind. I've never seen anything like it, but he does. Now, why all of a sudden would they do this, Alina? Why all of a sudden would the FBI show up at Mar-a-Lago?
5: The question is a great one. Uh, The reason we nobody can figure it out is because there is no answer. What has happened is completely unconstitutional. It's a violation of the democracy that we have created. They are the people supposed to be defending the democracy, and instead they are destroying it. Our country should be terrified. I am terrified. I can tell you that he was not only working with them, he was cooperating, there was nothing to hide, and he was working in tandem, allowed them into Mar-a-Lago, and the point is they went in when he wasn't even there, and then told his attorneys to leave. They couldn't even be on premises. That doesn't sound good to me.
1: No, that shouldn't sound good to anyone except the Nazi. That's how Nazis behave, and that's what the FBI is, a bunch of thug Gestapo Nazis. The arrogance of these people. See, that's what I mean. When you hear those kinds of things, if you sit there and you think and you say, well, the rank and file, they're not bad. They're just doing what they're told. Then you're giving them excuses like you'd give Nazi death camp soldiers. Well, they were just doing what they were told. They were following orders because they didn't want to be executed. Then leave. Leave. If somebody at your office told you to go out and rob a bank or lose your job, what would you do? Would you rob the bank? Really? Of course you wouldn't. You'd go get another job. So don't ever excuse these FBI thugs because that's all they are. They're thugs. They know it. We know it. They love their power. Nobody loves power quite like FBI Nazi thugs. These Gestapo bastards love their power. Love it. Live for it. Brag about it. They're the worst kind of people. They're cowards, but they have guns. And that makes them tough guys. That makes them tough guys. You don't believe me? Well, here's an exchange that took place a couple of years ago with that brilliant Nicole Wallace and James Comey who arrogantly, when it comes to arrogance, nobody can top this guy, who arrogantly bragged about sending FBI thugs to Michael Flynn's office shortly after the administration had been sworn in.
5: You look at this White House now, and it's hard to imagine two FBI agents ending up in the sit room. How did that happen?
3: I sent them. Um, <laughs> um, something we, I probably wouldn't have done or maybe gotten away with, in a more organized investigation, a more organized administration. I thought it's early enough, let's just send a couple guys over. <laughs> and so uh, we placed a call to Flynn, said, hey, we're sending a couple guys over, uh, hope you'll talk to them. He said, sure. Nobody else was there. They interviewed him in a conference room at the White House Situation Room, and he lied to them. And that's what he's now pled guilty to.
5: What did he think they were coming over there for?
1: Uh,
4: I don't think he knew. I No, we didn't tell him.
1: He's bragging about it, bragging about entrapping the national security chief, and those imbecile single-digit IQ liberals in the audience are laughing. They think it's funny. I would love someone to sick the FBI on them, all of these coward liberals. Have the FBI thugs show up at your door. See if you're laughing then since you think it's funny. And this arrogant, pompous ass brags about trying to set up a government official as if he's superior to them. Huh, you know, I figured I'll send him over. We'll see. Wow. Trump Trump, uh, administration wasn't organized, he said. No, the Trump administration was plenty organized. They just simply were naive to think that the supposed top law enforcement officer in the country would try to entrap them. I don't blame them for their naivete because it had never happened in the history of the country. But Comey set the standard. The day he's in jail is the day I smile from ear to ear. It's hard to say which one of these corrupt bastards is the worst. That's like telling me, well, who do you think's worse? Rudolph Hess? Or Heinrich Himmler? Who do you think's worse? Comey? Ray? Clapper? Brennan? Who do you think's worse? All of these Nazi henchmen, they're all the same. It's pretty sickening, isn't it? Alina Haba, has anybody ever been treated like this?
5: I haven't seen anyone else be treated like this in my life. No. Russia hoax. Later- Letitia James. You know, and I can tell you, honestly, as somebody who is very intimately related with all of his legal cases, there is more than people know that you'll be hearing that this lines up perfectly, that I can tell you that they are working in tandem together to try and take him down. And if he wasn't ahead in the polls, this wouldn't be happening.
1: Carpe diem, Alina Habba, She's so right. If Trump had just quietly gone off into the... Distance, they wouldn't care. Who doesn't understand that? Really. Now you want to hear I talk about this Karine Jean-Pierre because she's such a buffoon. Wait to hear her think she's tough when Peter Ducey puts her on the spot and asks her the question that needs answering. Now she'll never answer it, mind you. She'll never answer it. But her little song and dance trying to get around it includes her being the tough guy.
6: Is this administration weaponizing the justice department and the fbi against political opponents.
7: Peter, the president believes in the rule of law? The president believes in the independence of the D- department of justice yes or No, Just no is that is house. No, it's a yes or a no for you. I'm answering the question. You may not like it, but I'm answering the question mm-hmm. and I'm No, no. I'm answering no, the no, question no. and I'm telling you that we are not going to comment.
1: <laughs> no, no. I'm answering the question. No, you know. No, you didn't. You didn't answer the question. The question was, did the president, is the president, weaponizing the FBI and the Department of Justice? You never answered it. She's disgusting. Despicable. She makes you want to vomit. Speaking of vomiting, how about this mobster Michael Cohen? Remember he was once an attorney in the Trump organization? He thinks he's a tough guy mobster. That's something else about liberals. These little runts think they're tough guys, and they act tough all the time, and then they adopt this strong New York mafia accent like Michael Cohen did yesterday.
5: Today, I probably received about two dozen plus phone calls from journalists asking, what do you think was in the safe? And I think everybody should sort of stop and let's just allow the process to go forward. Mm-hmm. They want to hear things like, you know, Stormy's pink panties or the P tape autographed by Vladimir Putin or maybe
3: some naked photos of Melania.
1: Not only is this guy a convicted liar, but he's a pervert. That seems to have a rolling theme among liberals, doesn't it? These perverts! This guy's talking about Melania. I, I'm sorry, I, I can't even, I can't even get a grip on these people. They're so mentally unbalanced, so deranged, so sick. But here's something that should engender tremendous confidence in all of the people of America, while sending shudders through the spines of all of our opponents, Pelosi. Trying to speak at this little stupid function on the White House lawn, and she can't find her speech.
7: I think I have the president's speech here. <laughs>
4: well, with yours, I don't know
7: what they did with it, but I can do without it. <laughs> Thank you.
4: That's <laughs> helpful,
7: Mr. President. <laughs>
1: Was that funny? What was the little girl laugh? And uh, people applauding. Did they pay these people to show up and applaud at these functions? Because nobody would otherwise. She starts doing a Harris cackle. <laughs> and the final lie was told by a White House that claims Wuhan Willie O'Talla Biden has tested negative for COVID, and is doing great. Here he was at that same function yesterday.
3: We know, securing the future, excuse me, 100 years from now, from people, you're the reason, excuse me, excuse me, this pandemic, and everyone,
1: Sounds like he's doing great to me. That's a healthy man right there. That is a healthy man, baby. (laughs) They'll lie about anything. And by the way, with that kind of hacking, what was he doing without his mask on? He's hacking up a lung. I'm not scoffing at Someone who's sick, I'm scoffing at him. He's a joke. He's a walking joke. Walking, coughing joke. (laughs) The last word will belong to Howard Kurtz, the media critic at Fox, who, for some reason, has decided to tell us all that the New York Times story about Donald Trump being banned from Fox is untrue.
6: A front-page New York Times story this weekend strongly suggests that Fox News hasn't interviewed Donald Trump for over 100 days because the Murdoch family, whose Wall Street Journal and New York Post have run highly critical editorials, is said to have soured on him. But I can report there is no edict whatsoever against having Trump on this network. I reached out myself
3: with an invitation some weeks ago, and people close to the foreign president confirm he hasn't said yes to any Fox show or been turned down after asking to be on a Fox show. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so there hasn't been an edict, he claims. Nobody said there was an edict. The word has gone down. You don't have to have an edict at your place of work. I've worked in these places. You know. It's very. It's made very clear to you. We don't want so-and-so on our air. And it's been made very clear to those at Fox. No question. All right, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, we'll have a few minutes for calls, and then we'll have Tom Woodcock Jr. on. Tom Woodcock Jr. is the son of Tom Woodcock, who was the first trainer for the Blues for 16 years, has great stories about how trainers in those days kept players alive and on the ice. His dad is in the Hall of Fame. We lost a great one, an absolute great one in Tommy Woodcock.
0: I don't do it for all the glory, I just do it anyway. Providing for our futures, my responsibility. Yeah, I'm real good on the pressure, being all that I can be. I can't call him sick on Mondays when the weekend's been too strong. I just work straight through the holidays, sometimes all night long did I stand ready when the wolf growls at the door. Hey, I'm solid, yeah, hey, I'm steady, hey, I'm true down to the core, and I will always do my duty. No matter what the price, I've counted up the cost. I
1: welcome me back in, Kevin Slayton, with you on this uh, nice Wednesday morning. Right here on kevinslaytonshow.com, the Window World King's Court. We're glad you're along for the ride. We hope you've enjoyed the first part of the show. Tom Woodcock Jr. will be along here in a few minutes to talk with us about his dad, Tom Woodcock, who was the first trainer for the Blues. Before we do that, Cleo weighs in. Good morning, Cleo. How are you?
4: morning, Kevin. How's it going?
1: It's going great. If I have to cut you off quickly, it's because Time Woodcock will be calling.
4: Okay, I'll be be quick. Here's the main point I want to make. How many election officials from the 2020 election, over 1,000 of them, if you recall, who saw voting irregularities, how many of them have been brought to trial and indicted? Zero. Zero. If these are the worst people in the world, how come they haven't been indicted?
1: Very good question. if they're lying under oath, on penalty the perjury, you know, penalty of for prison if you lie under oath, and that's what they did. They swore these affidavits under oath, so they must be horrible people and lawbreakers, and none of them have even been charged.
4: And they would be worse than the people that entered the Capitol on January six, wouldn't they? Absolutely They'd be much worse.
1: Absolutely, these people are actually fostering a lie by sworn affidavits, a thousand of them.
4: And of course, the reason they haven't been indicted because the. Facts would come to light at a trial. That's why.
1: That's a great, great point. Discovery is the worst enemy of lying liberals. They they don't want to hear it.
4: The media is not making enough out of this.
1: Hey, Cleo, you're right. I got to run, though, because Tom's on the phone. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Tom Woodcock Jr. joins us now this morning. Good morning, Tom. How you doing? Hey, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing well. My uh, prayers are for you and your family on the loss of your pop. And, uh, boy, what a legacy he left behind.
6: Yeah, well, we we really appreciate it. The outpouring has just been unbelievable from the St. Louis hockey community. And, uh, you know, Dad had had a rich tradition, and especially helping with youth hockey, getting things going here. I mean – he wrapped, he wrapped people's knees and ankles, that I had no idea until I started getting the <laughs> Facebook response. And, uh, you know, I, and, and the main reason I wanted to come on, Kevin, is, is you, you've always given Dad his props. I mean, Dad's a Hall of Famer. Um, no banner hanging, uh, but, you know, he's in the NHL Hall of Fame. You, you acknowledged that when it happened. Um, he was very proud of that accomplishment. Very few trainers are in the Hall and, uh, you know, that means a lot to us as families. So I wanted to personally thank you for that.
1: Well, you know, first of all, you don't need to thank me because that's deserved. And congratulations on that as well. And it's terrible that the banner isn't hung. But this is the guy who was the first trainer for the Blues for their first 16 seasons. People forget he was here that long. Yeah,
6: yeah. And, uh, you know, he saw Bobby Orr fly through the air. He, uh,
1: <laughs> Didn't we he, all? <laughs> yeah,
6: exactly, exactly. And you know Gary Younger, which I, I think you're going to try to connect with him. Uh, he won the Ironman award, and when he got that award, it was handed to him. It was actually two gold-plated hockey gloves. It was the weirdest looking trophy you've ever seen. And he turned around when he accepted it uh, and gave it to my dad. Um, you know, and and when you talk to Gary, it's remarkable. In that streak, he had a broken wrist, um, three cracked ribs, a uh, pretty severe back injury, and he kept playing. And he attributes his ability to do that. I mean, my dad could do some incredible stuff with tape.
1: I'm telling you, <laughs> those are those are the kinds of injuries that we qu- require casts. Uh, Time out, uh, back injuries, I can testify to that. You don't do much when you got a back injury. 914 consecutive games for Gary Unger with the assistance of your dad. And that's the kind of streak that would be amazing today. But back then it was even more amazing because they didn't have all of the protective equipment that they have today.
6: Or the protective officiating.
1: Yeah. You know. Exactly. <laughs> back
6: then, you know, I mean, there were stick fights and you know, I played the game back then in the seventies and it was uh, it was similar to jousting. <laughs> <laughs> it, it... And and yet, you know, Gary did that. And then the irony after that, Doug Jarvis was the player that broke that record after Gary. Guess who his trainer was at Hartford?
1: Your dad. My
6: dad. Yep. Yep. So he's won two Ironman trophies.
1: (laughs) That's pretty amazing when you think about that. And and those are the like you said he could do miracles with tape and people laughing. Oh yeah, but the kinds of things that he faced—you're talking about broken wrist, back injuries. It took more than just talent. It took probably a lot of motivating speeches from your dad to these guys too.
6: Yeah, something along the lines: "Don't be a wuss. Get back out there." (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's pretty much how we operated. And. You know one one other side story. If, if you remember back when John McEnroe, um, you know, was at Dwight Davis here and, and winning, you know, for tennis. Davis, Hook, he had two uh, sprained ankles Jeez. in that final match, and the trainer for the tennis association at the time brought my dad over to tape those ankles for that final. Wow! And 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 that is a little known story. And, and McEnroe tipped him fifty bucks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a whole fifty.
6: Yeah, you got free tickets and fifty dollars. <laughs> go,
1: go out and get yourself an ice cream cone, son.
6: You got it. <laughs> Basically that was it. So with their stories, endless stories like that. Dad Dad spread beyond hockey into into many other sports, the superstars competition. He was a trainer of that um through almost his entirety. Um, you know, USA hockey. He was a trainer for that. He was a trainer for the seventy nine USA team that eventually transition to the 80 team that won the, obviously the gold medal. So, you know, I'm hearing all these, and now I'm hearing stuff that I didn't even know went on. I mean, people he helped, you know, Joe Montana, Tiger Woods, when he was out at San Jose, um, just phenomenal stories. And uh, he kept it to himself.
1: Yeah. Well, he wasn't a braggadocious guy. Um, If you can share with us, share the Tiger Woods and the Joe Montana stories.
6: Yeah. Yeah. When he was at, uh, when he was with the Sharks,
1: I mean, obviously, the trainer community in, in pro sports
6: is, is very close. They have their own association. So these guys all know each other. They know, they know the guys that are good with ankles, the guys that are good with shoulders, who's good with wrists. And Tiger Woods was at Stanford, um, I think it was his freshman year. And uh, he had a shoulder issue that the Stanford training sh- staff just could not get get their head around. And it was very similar to a hockey injury. So they brought Dad in. And Dad figured out where the problem was in the AC joint, uh, recommended a level, a certain treatment, and then Tiger went on and, and played that season. Um, it's just, you know, a lot of injuries that happen in sports can be similar and crossover. You know, golf is not one where anybody would think you would have a similar to a hockey right, injury. right. <laughs> you know, but the swing uh, that's probably why a lot of hockey players were decent golfers as opposed to me, but. <laughs> You know, the swing and, and the way the shoulder rotated was similar. My dad recognized it and, and recommended the treatment that was successful. Montana, um, he was a consultation on, you know, Joe had a bad back. I think everybody knew that. And, uh, you know, they were milking that for all it was worth. I don't know how he played at Kansas City, to be honest with you. But um, dad came in and helped with a brace that he helped
1: design for Joe. So, um. you know, we're talking with Tom Woodcock Jr. about his father, his Hall of Fame trainer father, who passed away earlier this week. When you talk about these braces and these uh, detections of different injuries that are crossover injuries, trainers, especially in your dad's day, had to be creative. There there wasn't necessarily the kinds of braces and equipment that's readily available today back when they were uh, taking care of athletes you'd see a guy go out there with some sort of a contraption on and you knew it had to be created by the trainer and for for whatever reason that little device worked
6: yeah i, I think that's where the concept for legos came from <laughs> <laughs> you know i it, I because you know i played the game and i played into college i played at providence and and you know i was not a big guy uh and i got my share of injuries and and you know, someone will call. It, some people will call it child abuse now, <laughs> but back then, my dad, you know, designed a cast when I broke my wrist so that I could keep playing. When I separated my co- collarbone, he designed a harness that I could wear, because his mentality was, that, you know, I lose six weeks of development, uh, I'm behind the curve, and, you know, today, I mean, I got kids and kids in, in youth hockey and youth baseball, and you know, I see what's going on, and I, I just wonder, you know. It, it, the, the the pressure some of these kids are under, I you know, they want to play college ball or they want to go on and, and have dreams of playing at pro level, which is very rare. They, they get pushed, and I'm, I'm kind of taking the unpopular position here. They get pushed, you know, maybe a kid pitches too much, maybe a kid get too much ice time, but in reality, you know, they're developing every time they're stepping on that field or stepping on that ice, and if you lose time, Yes, you you do lose some of the pace and development. And my dad's philosophy was get anybody back out there, no matter what I have to design to make this work. And he would do it. And he would come up with it, and it would work.
1: You know, you talk about that being an unpopular position, and yet it is popular among the the learned medical people, like Dr. Lehman, when we have Dr. Right. Rick, Rick on here, he espouses the same thing, that this limited pitches and these limited innings of pitchers is nonsense, although he does believe – a Kid shouldn't pitch until he's in high school as opposed to throwing breaking balls when he's in third grade. Right, right. You know, that type of thing. But I I think your dad's philosophy is no matter what it takes, get somebody back out there. And that philosophy in his day was adhered to by the players. I'm sure some were a little bit less uh, gung-ho than others. But today it seems to me Tom, that the ownership wants to protect the investment they've made in these players so if somebody's hurt a little bit oh gosh you know take your rest and the agents well, get involved I'll bet
6: you're you're exactly right and and you know you look at Braden Shen who played in the playoffs this year and 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 he had you know you know they're not completely releasing the information but he had at least two cracked ribs okay um and then, you know, not to pick on baseball. I love baseball. But I, but I watch some of these players in baseball that get stiffness. I have stiffness every day. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you got stiffness. Well, you know, modern medical science and training science and stiffness can be removed. Get, get, your, get your butt out there. You're paying millions of dollars for a pitcher that gives you, you know, 20 innings in a year. And he walks away with an $8 million paycheck.
1: It's unbelievable. It's great work if you can get it. It's unbelievable. You know?
6: Where you have a mid-level hockey player, look at Bartuzzo. Okay, I mean he's not making top dollar. He's, you know, he's got a good and a little NHL career. Takes a shot to the jaw, <laughs> and and what he missed, two games, and he probably didn't want to miss those two games.
1: Well, guaranteed, it's, you had to fight him to keep a mentality. him off. Oh it, yeah, it yeah, is a mentality. Exactly right. You're 100 percent right. Were there guys that your dad pointed out that had this level of toughness that we wouldn't even recognize?
6: Yeah, and one of them I, I and he he definitely wants to talk to you so definitely give him a call. One of them is Gary Hunger. Gary Hunger was this flowing hair, you know, you know, dated Miss America, you know, high profile athlete for St. Louis. Goal scorer. It was actually my dad will tell you he was probably the toughest player that he ever dealt with. He just refused to not play. And do you remember how his Ironman streak was broken?
1: I do and it was here in St. Louis, right?
6: When he was with the Atlanta Flames and the coach sat him for the game. and yeah. didn't touch the ice. It, it, unbelievable. <laughs> you know, but Gary was that type of guy that he was probably the toughest. And then the Plager brothers were on, on another planet when it came to toughness. <laughs> you know, Bobby was, you know, he wasn't the fastest guy in the world. And he's blocking shots and Mark is blocking shots and, and Al Arbor blocking shots. And these guys are coming in and they got... I mean, I, I I'd be in the locker room with my dad and see these guys with bruises that covered a whole pectoral muscle,
1: you know. Good lord!
6: Just unbelievable, and I thought that was normal.
1: Well, for a hockey player, it is. <laughs> exactly. You know, h- here's something, Tom. When I when I when someone says to me, "Well, what's the difference between you know hockey toughness and let's say football toughness?" The difference is that football players do it once a week, a uh, hockey players do it three or four times a week. Not only that. There's no football player that I know that drops his body in front of a puck that's smacked by a stick going 100 miles an hour. On purpose. On purpose. He didn't just trip and fall. He said, I'm going to block that shot. If he has to block it with his face, he block, they drop down like it's normal. I don't know how you get your body. To To me, that's like jumping out of an airplane. I'm not jumping out of an airplane unless the plane's going down. But these well, that's guys, why
6: hockey players' contracts are smaller because they don't understand math. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but, you know, you think of, you also think in hockey, you know, you're traveling at an unnatural rate of speed because you're not running, you're skating. So when you have that contact, and even compared to football, you, oftentimes you have contact and you're just a couple feet away from the boards and you're going into a solid object. Um, you know, it's it, – it's, and, and the equipment's comparable between two sports. I think the only hit in football that I would say relates to a hockey hit is if a receiver's going across the middle. Yeah, and the defensive back steps up and clocks them, and now yeah. that's illegal.
1: It's pre- it's pretty rough. Yeah, that that's that's yeah. a dirty play now. But yeah, l- let me go back to to your dad because when we talk about this mentality that we're talking about of hockey players, a trainer in many instances perhaps doesn't quite understand that because they've spent their life learning the trade that they're now in. Your dad played hockey, and he was a damn good hockey player.
6: Yeah, he was. Uh, he, he played for the Rhode Island Reds, which was a farm club of the New York Rangers back in the helmetless area. He was 165 pounds. He was an American, born and raised in Rhode Island, when the league was completely dominated, both you know, pro level and minor leagues, by Canadians. So I mean, he was he was a target, and he scored goals. It, it's just he came to a realization. You know, I'm not going to play pro hockey at 165 pounds. No Gretzky did. <laughs>
1: well, Dad was a Gretzky. <laughs> I love your dad, but he didn't have the otherworldly talent that Gretzky possessed. <laughs> exactly,
6: exactly. <laughs> so that's when he he shifted and, and became the assistant trainer there with the Rhode Island Reds, and the general manager of the Rhode Island Reds was Lynn Patrick, who became the Blues' first GM. Yeah. Um, Lynn Patrick's first hire was my dad. So my dad was one of the first, I think, five employees the Blues ever had. Uh, from the Solomons.
1: So, um, yeah,
6: he understood the game and knew what hurt.
1: You know, uh, I, I think often your dad knew what hurt, but your dad also knew the toughness that he saw in hockey players. He was a tough guy. How about you? When you came home from youth hockey games, or, or you decided that you'd had enough of something, this, that, or the other thing, and, or dad, I, you know, I'm sore, I, I can't play today. What was his response to you?
6: So when I was 13, okay, and I, and I hate to go back through the glory day thing here, I came home and I had a horrible game. I got hit, I, you know, I got jacked in the mouth, and, and back then we didn't have masks like youth hockey have today. So I was bleeding, sore lip, uh, limping home, came home, went in, my dad was in the kitchen, he didn't go to the game because they had practice. I come in, I go, dad, look at my lip. He goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I go, I, I don't know if I want to play this game anymore. And he said, so you're a quitter. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> and I said, "No, I'm not a quitter." I said, "I'm just getting beat up." This 13 year old kid, right? And he goes, "Look, the only time he ever told me, he goes, he goes, you're a good hockey player. Good hockey players don't quit. That's all he said." And you know what? That was enough.
1: That was enough.
6: And that flipped the switch. That's the only time he told me that I was, you know, that I was a good hockey player. I mean, the pro life, and, and what people don't understand for the family members. You know your your husband, your dad. Um, you know if it's a women's sport, your mother, your 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 daughter. I mean, they're gone half the time during the season, and when they are home, they're focused on their sport. Right. And your your my dad probably caught five of my games over my whole hockey career, and would never comment after. He would tell my coaches what he thought I should work on. So it came from the coach, not from the dad. And, and you look at some of these parents now; they're telling the coaches what to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and they're at every game, and they're screaming umpires, screaming at referees, and you know, that—that that well, in my mind is a difference maker. Letting your kid develop the way they—they, they, but keep them encouraged. At thirteen, that's that decision year, I think.
1: And that was a huge bit of advice from your dad that didn't take many words, but it registered.
6: Exactly. And I'm exactly. assuming, I'm
1: assuming, Tom, it registered throughout your life after playing
4: hockey.
6: Yep. You know, anytime business wise, you know, I own a couple of businesses now, businesses now with my wife. And, you know, there's times, like, hey, look, we're looking at an economy that's going to tank. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care from a political standpoint where you are. If you don't think this economy is going to tank, you know, go live in a cave because you're a bat and you're blind. <laughs> but so, you know, you got a choice you know, are are you going to, are you going to let the market dictate your success or you're going to just dictate your own success and and do and adjust the way you need to adjust. And that's what I learned. That's what my dad taught me. I mean, medical training science changed throughout his career and he had to adapt and and try new techniques that were coming in that somebody was creating in a sports lab and some he liked and some he didn't, but he was always willing to make the adjustments. That's, Gave him his longevity.
1: Sure. You know, did you and ever, he's got
6: a hell of a trainer now, Ray Barilli.
1: Yeah, uh, they do. Did you ever really f-
6: went to a Providence college camp that my dad was doing the uh, nutrition portion and that lit Barilli up to become a trainer.
1: Now uh, I was going to say, didn't, did you feel a strong sense of security growing up with your dad as a trainer and that knowledgeable that no matter what you had, no matter what injury you had, he could fix it.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, y- you know, Back then, he had a couple his, his two doctors, Doctor Gilden and Doctor Bierenbaum. They, my dad would tell those guys, "Hey, cut, cut this guy. Don't cut this guy." <laughs> you know, <laughs> and those guys had the skill, but my dad knew when to cut and when not to cut. And and I watched that. You know, I, I'm I'm sitting there watching. You know, he's got Wayne Babbage on the table and his knees three times the size he's supposed to be, and the doctor saying, "Hey, we got to go in," and my dad's like, "No, don't cut. We're going to drain." we're going to use therapy we'll get them back and and they wouldn't cut
1: boy I bet a lot of players were we're, thankful for that
6: yeah yeah well back then cutting was uh was similar to carving a turkey
1: (laughs) that's not that doesn't give me much confidence to go under (laughs) the (laughs) knife
6: well if you got back issues that's the one thing my dad because I ended my career with a little bit of back issue and he said Man, the minute the minute they go in, everything changes. Be careful.
1: I can testify yeah. to that because I had that, and uh, I subsequently had it again. And so, nothing has ever yep. been the same with my back since then. I wish I'd talked to your dad. Did he have? Yeah, a, well, um, go ahead. I'm sorry, Tom.
6: No, I say. Well, if it didn't get rid of your slice, <laughs>
1: <laughs> did he have any power? And uh, maybe not power. Maybe that's the wrong word. But did coaches come to him to consult with him about whether a guy should? remain with the team or be released based on what he thought they could do physically? My,
6: my dad would never throw a player under the bus. He was a player's trainer. And, but what he would do, he, my dad and, and Scotty Bowman will tell you this. He's very good friend of our families. Scotty will tell you that my dad would tell guys, Hey, look, when you're going into the court, cause he knew the game and, and these were younger guys coming in and he would, he would literally backside coach these guys on their individual skills and Scotty Bowman um, took advantage of that. And if you remember back when Scotty left, uh, the, one of the key reasons that it was going to be an issue, the Solomons got to the point that they didn't like my dad having that influence and cause they're investing in these players. Sure. And they were going to let my dad go. And Scotty said, Nope, it's either him or me. And then Scotty left and went to Montreal and my dad stayed back, and and the Solomons kept him because they were going to be selling the team. Emil Francis came in, and Emil Francis took him to Hartford. So these these coaches knew that dad's influence on the game aspect for the players, the players listened to him because he's taking care of their bodies.
1: Take, taking care of their bodies, and he was a player. And, and I, right. th- I think that registers with players as well. And you mentioned Unger and his toughness. And uh, if you looked at Gary Unger, you thought, well, flamboyant, superstar, you know, ladies guy. Uh the, the stories come out of New York all the time about Joe Namath and how tough he was to endure the kind of knee pain and knee injuries that he had to go through back when medical science wasn't quite what it is today. And Namath again, a flamboyant, colorful guy, people think of him as a ladies man, but tougher than tough. And I wonder I wonder how your dad gauged guys on their toughness. Was it just based on whether they would play hurt or not. And there's a difference between playing hurt and playing with pain.
6: Right. Right. You, you, you know, there were injuries that it was going to affect the player's play that would affect the team's results that my dad was put, would put his foot down and say, you're not going the biggest issue with my dad when it comes to toughness is the guys that wouldn't say they're hurt. That was the, but my dad could see hey, something's going on here. He's not lifting his left shoulder. You know, he's passing the puck. He's not shooting the puck. And, you know, my dad would pull him aside at that point and say, "Hey, look, don't don't try to be a superstar. Let me help you." Um, that's a dip. Diff- I, I think that's where toughness crosses into stupidity.
1: <laughs> yeah, but but yet you yeah. can yeah. understand that from a player standpoint. If I don't play, I might get released, or I might lose my yep. job, or you know, or somebody might replace me.
6: Exactly right, and and you know, look, can can you blame them? I mean, all of us have work and jobs, and you know, imagine no no one signed up for your podcast because you weren't. You know, you weren't going on the air and you weren't working it. And all of a sudden you wonder why your your subscribership and listenership has dropped. Yeah. You know, I mean, think about it. That's what happens. That's what it, this. you're in the entertainment industry. Pro athletes are in the entertainment industry. You turn on the television, you turn on the radio and you get the sub host. OK, you still listen, but it's not the same. It, it, it's the same in hockey. People pay in sports. They pay to see certain players. Right. And they want, the, they want to see those players play at their best, and that's where your training staff is critical.
1: Yeah, and they don't want to hear excuses. Fans don't. Uh, they don't care no. because they think, well, I work hard at my job and no, nobody pays me like the athletes are getting paid, so get your butt out there. But there are cases where uh, th- this is where I think would be the toughest part of your dad's job, to be able to step in and say uh, with credibility – you can't go tonight. No matter how much you think you're okay to play, you can't play.
6: Right, right. I, I And, you know, Wayne Babbage called me, um, you know, obviously after he heard about my dad. And Wayne was pushing towards 50 goals, which was going to be a high watermark. And in the NHL at that time, if you hit 50 goals, your paycheck is going through the roof. Yeah. And, and Wayne was at like 48, 47, 48. And he had that injury you're speaking of that, that he probably shouldn't have gone out there. And my, he's like, I gotta. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is my paycheck. Yeah. You know, this is my window. Let me get to fifty, my, and then
1: I'll take time off.
6: Yeah, exactly <laughs> right, and that's exactly what happened. He scored fifty goals, and uh, you know, took a few games off to recuperate, and then was back. And you know, you, you can understand it, and 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 fans don't always see that. But then there's the other side of the coin. You know, guys that, you know, any kind of injury. And, uh, you know, I know you're a basketball guy. It just, it just blows my mind, uh, right? what I see happen in basketball. Oh, and, and
1: it's unbelievable. You know, first of all,
6: it's thug ball anyways. Well, it is <laughs> it's
1: thug ball. Horrible. It's been, it's been thug ball for decades now, Tom. And, and as so you're, we talk, you're by a the way, we...
6: guy, let me ask you a question. Whatever happened to you don't carry the ball when
1: you dribble? <laughs> <laughs> well, we could do an entire show on that. Uh, I, it, it makes me livid is why I can hardly watch the game anymore because they don't call the rules. Although I'll, I'll say the same thing about hockey. I used to joke, as we talked with Tom Woodcock Jr. about his father, Tom, I used to joke about sitting your 10-year-old son or daughter down watching a hockey game and try to explain to them the rules. I said, they're going to look at you like you're mentally ill when you see a guy get crashed into the boards and, and nothing's called, and two minutes later a guy tiptoes around and bumps a guy into the boards. And, oh, it's interference or it's charging or it's like what what is, what is funny, the rule
6: it, you know I got a, I got a 10 year old son and uh, he watches hockey all the time and when a fight breaks out he's like oh my gosh and I'm thinking that used to happen three times a game right <laughs> you
1: know? used to happen with the fans <laughs> <laughs> remember Philadelphia Usually
6: it's the same two guys <laughs> yeah.
1: was your dad your dad was there when the Philadelphia thing happened wasn't he oh yeah um
6: it, when when that took place so Al Arbor got hit with a bottle and that's kind of what started the whole melee with the fans. So my dad was in the process of taking care of Al and getting him in the locker room. And then the cops started getting involved after the players climbed the stands. So my dad became the guard at the door <laughs> when the <laughs> cops came. And they were like, we need Bob Plager, Phil Roberto. You know, they're listening in the song. They go, oh, they've already left. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, they got a couple of them uh, where they tried to go out the back back side of the rink but at the spectrum but um and then you know my dad got hit with you know a cup of beer and you know he was you know if it wasn't for having to take care of al he was moving towards going up <laughs> the trainer going up in the stands
1: <laughs> hey listen i remember they threw out a soccer announcer a pa announcer so they could throw a tra- <laughs> they <laughs> seeing a trainer going into the stands wouldn't be so uh, so off the charts well,
6: you're you're right. He's a former hockey player, and you know it's kind of hard to get rid of that once you have it in your DNA.
1: What uh, what have you heard from the former players uh, in the past few days after the word got out about your father?
6: So uh, you know, a lot of them were from that that early '70s group. Um, you know, because you had the guys in the in the early '60s. But Glenn Hall reached out. Um, you know, very much. You know, obviously expressing his condolences. You know, Babs. You know called me and said, look, your dad, your dad kept me together through my career. And, and, you know, I can never possibly repay him for that. You know, Ungi. I mean, we've had a relationship with Ungi ever since he retired and, uh, and obviously before, and he is just, you're, you're going to have fun talking to him. Yeah. He is just a quality person through and through. And, uh, you know, he, he's my dad's going to be laid to rest in his home, Rhode Island. And, some of these players are talking about going up there, which is wow. just incredible to fly. Some of them in Canada, you know some of them on West Coast and yet they want to fly in, for a 45 minute service.
3: Yeah
1: that, that you know what, Tom, uh, I know you know, but that speaks volumes about the relationship and the respect they had for your dad. When people call you, after all these years, and tell you, your dad kept my career together. Your dad kept my body together. He's the reason I am who I am. He's the reason I'm successful. Um, that has to be so gratifying.
6: So, so Kevin, I, I want to ask you one favor before before we're done here. Um, you know, great great members of the Blues that were not players, like Dan Kelly and and and, and others, have always you know with the Blues organization. It, it's been it's been a little disheartening that the San Jose Sharks, who he, you know, he was with them for, for, you know, seven years, that the San Jose Sharks have shown, you know, more public acknowledgement of, of who dad was and what his career was. And really it all started here in St. Louis. And he, he was very much a a very important part of why St. Louis blues hockey all the fans that have come in since the Stanley Cup and just prior to the Stanley Cup don't understand that my dad, Noel Picard, Bob Plager, Barkley Plager, these these people came in and and put the flag in the ground yeah, for saying Blues hockey. They sure did. And, you know, when you talk to members of the Blues brass, you know, asking, hey, you know, you guys ever going to honor Woodcock?
1: <laughs> I promise you I will. And and it's disheartening for me to hear that the San Jose organization has been more publicly involved in the blues have in this, in this situation. I, I think it's disgraceful.
6: I've gotten no call from blues ownership. I've been called by Howard Baldwin who used to own the Hartford Whalers. I've been called by San Jose shark management to express their condolences. I haven't gotten any acknowledgement here in, st louis which That's was sickening. the longest portion of his career
1: that is sickening we know that if bob yep. Plager were still alive working for the blues that you would have heard from him but yep but, but he's not I,
6: I will say terry yake the alumni right terry you know and dad had terry for a while terry did reach out and express his condolences so but those are players Be accurate <laughs> yeah. you know but players players as opposed to you know and, and i know we got great ownership now with the blues but it's i just don't let them be forgotten
1: No, I think I think it's disgraceful. As I said at the start of this conversation, that his flag, his banner, should be in the rafters at the building because he's a Hall of Famer, and that's where Hall of Famers are. So there's no excuse for that. And I promise you, I will be on the phone to Brett Hull later today.
6: Well, I I I appreciate it, And, and it's not sour grapes. It's you know maybe it's a little bit from bleeding from from losing dad, but if if I sent you everything that's coming in from people that have been connected to blues hockey for, for decades, the, the team for, in the St. Louis community that embraces who dad was will be very, they'll be embarrassed. <laughs> you
1: know? Well, they ought to be it's embarrassed.
6: Real, you know,
1: so they ought anyways, to be embarrassed.
6: Man, I, I, I just, I can't thank you enough. And, uh and that'll, that'll, I'm sure he's up there with Bobby and Bark and Pick, and I'm sure they're, Tipping him back, and Jesus is shaking his head. But, uh, <laughs> Jesus
1: looking at that crew and going, "Wow, I created these guys." <laughs> I'll tell you,
6: he, those guys got in through the gate, and the rink was right on the other side. They didn't go too
1: deep. <laughs> well, they got in after after a severe question and answer session. <laughs> yeah,
6: exactly right. <laughs> so they got Jesus wipes away all the memories. <laughs> That's right.
1: Remember, he forgives everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah,
6: I I'll tell you some of those stories over a beer sometime. It's not good for public air.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Those are the kinds of stories that I admire the most.
6: Yeah, exactly.
1: exactly. Hockey guys are a different breed. You and I know that. Most hockey fans know that. Uh they're a different breed of cat. And for my money, those are the real men of sports. Today's candy asses can take a hike. I couldn't care yep. less.
6: Yeah, you know, and and I got a kid that – and I don't want to take up all your time, but I got a kid that's a catcher. He's being pretty highly recruited. He's he's in high school. Good little catcher. But, you know, he wanted to play hockey, but he's coming in at about 5'8", five, 5'9", five, which isn't going to cut it uh, in the NHL. Just has Troy Krupp. Um, and <laughs> and um, he got behind the plate and switched to baseball, and he's catching, and he's blocking everything. And, I mean, I'm watching these other kids that – I mean, they're trying, you know, but he's blocking everything. And he, he gets a college coach. He was just at a combine this week. College coach comes in and says, man, these guys were throwing in the eighties and, you know, nothing got by you. And he goes, I played hockey. <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: that sums it up perfectly. Perfectly. I love it. Hey, Tom, we're yep. out of time, but yep. I couldn't, uh, I can't thank you enough. This was a uh, really a fun trip down memory lane. And uh, again, my prayers are with you and your family and, you know, all we can all we can ask in this world is that uh, whoever, whomever we love had a full life, and boy, your dad did.
6: Yep, he did. Thank you again, Kevin, and uh, and I appreciate you supporting him over the course of his his career, and uh, and anything I can do to support you and what what you're doing, um, just let me know.
1: Tom, thank you so much, and again, our prayers are with you guys. Thanks, Kevin. All right, bye-bye, Tom. Bye-bye. That's Tom Woodcock Jr. That's a fun conversation, folks. His dad was a live wire. He was something else. And what a talent at keeping players' bodies together. Man, that is a talent. Surgeons are one thing. Trainers are another. And let me tell you something about trainers. I saw the umpire in the Cardinal game the other day before we run here take a foul tip, immediately hit him in the chin. I mean, and that thing's coming 100 miles an hour to the point where Molina immediately and the, the hitter immediately knew that wasn't normal, the, the, the noise that made. Molina quickly turned around, grabbed the umpire by the waist. The hitter went over and grabbed him. But the Cardinal trainers were out there in less than three seconds. They're not sitting around, jacking around on the bench, talking and blah, blah, blah. They're watching. And, man, they were there on top of it. And those are the kinds of things that touch you when you're watching an event. It's not team against team anymore. It's man and man, and a guy's injured. Let's get to it. The Blues trainer saved the life of one of their players. Was it was it the Blues player? Yeah, yeah. Saved his life in I think it was San Jose just a year or two ago. Had it not been for the Blues trainer Ray Brilly, that player would be dead. He collapsed on the ice. These guys have a job to do, man, and they don't get near the credit they deserve. All right, that's going to do us for today. We're not looking for any credit, we're looking to get out of here. <laughs> So all we can tell you is we'll be back fighting the good fight again tomorrow morning, 7 o'clock Central Time, right here on the Window World King's Court on KevinSlaytonShow.com. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everybody.